This morning our scripture comes from the prophet Ezekiel, the 34th chapter, verses 11 through 16 and verses 20 through 24. This is entitled, The Good Shepherd. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pasture in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home. I will bandage the injured and I will strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. And then we move to verse 20. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. So I will rescue my flock, and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them, and he is a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. So this is Christ the King Sunday, and this is one of the scriptures in the lectionary for this particular Sunday. And I was drawn to this text all week long amongst all the others. And part of the reason that I think God drew me to this text was because it really speaks to our day. Even though this was written shortly after 600 B.C., it really speaks to the issues of our day as well. And as I contemplated this text, I knew the message, the message is the promise of a Messiah that is coming. I knew the message, but I really struggled with what do I call this? What sermon title do I want to use? And as I thought about it, I was remembering last week I asked you, who wants to be a millionaire? And then this morning, as I was finishing some of the details of this particular message, God showed me the message for today. And this is the message. Who wants to be a politician? Well, let's take a look. It begins by Ezekiel speaking the word of the Lord. One of the important things about, especially these major prophets, but the minor prophets as well, but you really notice it with the major prophets, is they 
clearly distinguish when they're speaking on behalf of God. When the message that they're speaking is not them, not Ezekiel, not Jeremiah, not Isaiah, but it is the word of the Lord. And it's usually captioned that way. Thus says the word of the Lord, or thus says the Lord. Here it translates, for this is what the sovereign, the most powerful Lord says. This is what the sovereign, all-powerful God says. Listen up, O shepherds. This is in the first part of 34. Listen up, O shepherds. Well, who are the shepherds? And what did they do that God is telling them to listen up? Ezekiel's words from God are spoken against the shepherds of Israel, who are, it, it is another name that is used uh, co co coinciding with the, the term of kings. So the kings were considered the shepherds of Israel. The kings of Israel were the shepherds of Israel. The kings of Judah were the shepherds of Judah. And so when Ezekiel is speaking this to the shepherds, he is speaking to the kings. Ezekiel's word speaks against the kings of Judah, those who are put in charge of governing and leading the sheep. Hear what the Lord says to the kings and the powerful rulers of Judah throughout those first 10 verses that we didn't read this morning in Ezekiel 34. Here's a few of the phrases. You feed yourselves and you let your sheep starve. You have abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by wild animals. You didn't search for them when they were lost. And you took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Straight from the first 10 verses of Ezekiel 34. But that's not all. Ezekiel then speaks against the fat sheep who have taken advantage of the scrawny sheep. You get the summation of that in verses 20 to 24. You fat sheep butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock. You scattered them to distant lands. So who are these fat sheep? Well, the fat sheep are those with power and influence in our societies. And these fat sheep had taken all the good things for themselves. And they had left the others, the other sheep, the scrawny sheep, with nothing, no resources. So who wants to be a politician? Many years ago now, it was when I was in seminary, my third year I was on my internship year. Patty and I were there. Uh, together, that's the year Meredith was born, our oldest daughter. And my internship was in an inner city ministry in Kansas City. It was shared part-time between this inner city ministry and an urban church. And one of the tasks that I had at the urban center ministry was every Monday, pretty much, I had a list of visits to make in the communities around Kansas City of people who qualified for what they called home weatherization. Now, we don't deal with uh, blowing snow and ice storms and things like that here in Arizona, at least not in, not in the valley. But in many parts of Kansas City and in the whole Midwest, if you came from there, you know what this is like in the winter times 
It gets very cold, below zero, and can stay below zero temperature-wise for weeks on end. And so this ministry had received a contract from the federal government and in addition to some private funding, and uh, they had teams that would go out and weatherize homes that for people who qualified. So part of my work was on Mondays was to go and visit these homes, visit these families to see if they qualified and then to set up an appointment, a time when, when the uh, weatherization team could come and, and uh, take care of re-insulating their house, putting in new windows, doors if that was necessary, sealing with caulk, all the cracks and all the places where cold came in. These were older homes. And so I would visit these families and, you know, I enjoyed it, but I have to tell you there was a little bit of a competition because they told me that the previous intern didn't really get to all the families, that he would get talking and, and then he wouldn't get to some of the appointments. And so my goal was to make sure that I got to every family every Monday, and I did. But I might have sacrificed some things, right? Maybe some time with the, each of these families that, that needed more time if I was focused on my accomplishments. Nonetheless, one Monday I remember going to Independence, Missouri, which seemed a bit unusual because we really didn't ever have any uh, contacts out there, but that was one of the visits that day. So I drove all the way out to Independence, about 10, 15 miles from where we were at downtown Kansas City, and um, went to the home, visited with this nice elderly couple, and uh, explained to them our home weatherization program and uh, wanted to see if they qualified. And they qualified, and, uh, but they just they weren't sure that they wanted to have their home weatherized. And so I said, well, that's fine. And um, thanked them for the time and went on my way. Well, I was driving back to Kansas City through Independence, and um, all of a sudden there's a patrol car behind me with its red lights flashing. <laughs> And so I pulled the car over, and the officer comes up to me, and he asked to see my driver's license and insurance card. So I hand him over, and uh, then he goes back to his car, and then he comes back, and he asks, now, who are you? <laughs> so I begin to try to explain while I'm this pastoral intern. I'm studying to be a pastor. I'm on my internship. I do this work with home authorization on Mondays with Metropolitan Lutheran Ministries. And he's kind of looking at me like, hmm, and after a while, finally, I said, please, uh, call my office. <laughs> so he took the phone number, and he went back, and uh, I think he probably verified it, checked it, and then called them, and they, uh, they vouched for me that I, was an, uh, that I was a pastor and that I was out doing visits with potential people who qualified for free home authorization. Um, but this elderly couple thought I was scamming them, and they called the police on me. And I got back to the office, and everybody was like laughing, and oh, leave it to the pastor to get pulled over. <laughs> but I, I have to admit that the more I thought about it that day, the more angry I got. I mean, this, there was some righteous indignation, like, you know, how dare this couple call the cops on me? I mean, who am I to have the police called to check me out? After all, I'm, I'm a servant of God, right? Well... That's where I went. How dare they suspect my character? 
their fears became all about me and what I needed to make myself feel fulfilled. Never once did I think about the fear that they must have experienced having a stranger walk into their house, offering them this free service, having, back then you didn't have, you know, badges, identification badges, you didn't have business cards. Um, you know, you just went into people's homes and introduced yourself. When we think about, when I think about that, I begin to think about how what I was exhibiting at that point was the feelings of a fat sheep. I was self-righteous. How dare they question me? When in reality, the whole issue was, can we keep this couple from freezing to death uh, over the winter? Now, please listen to me. Um, allow me to, to share this, because this is what I hear from some of you. People are suffering all around us. We want to use this image of fat and scrawny sheep. There are scrawny sheep throughout this valley. And there are, there are some scrawny sheep throughout the state and throughout this nation. And what that means is that I've talked with some of you who are helping with struggling business owners. You know what I'm talking about. I've talked with you about some of you who are dealing with unemployment issues. I've talked with some of you who are struggling keeping your own business afloat. And while it may be true that the shepherds and the fat sheep sound like those who represent us in Washington, D.C. or at our state capitol, that might just be a cheap shot. But there's one thing that I've learned in ministry. It is this. Is that it all comes back to me. Not in a prideful way, but in a a confession way. It all has to begin with my reflection, my confession, my reorientation towards God. Not with my righteousness, especially my self-righteousness, but with my confession. I mean, the question I should have asked myself after everybody had a good laugh was, how's my relationship with Jesus in all of this? That's the question that God wants us to ask. What am I doing to bring change in my behavior? What am I doing to bring change to other people's lives? What is my involvement in our society in relationship to hunger and joblessness and lost businesses? The land of Judah, they were suffering in 598 B.C., the city of Jerusalem was under siege by the Babylonians who had, shortly before this time, had completely vanquished the Assyrians who had been in power for the last two centuries. Now that the Babylonians were in charge, they began to do these forays into Judah, and in particular, into Jerusalem. King Jehoiakim rebelled against the Babylonians in 598 B.C., and they came and attacked him and his forces in Jerusalem, and they killed him. His son, Jehoiachin, 
I know it's a strange sounding name, but that's how they named them then. Jehoiachin, these are descendants of David, then became the king. And he lasted for about a year before the Babylonians came in again. And this time they didn't kill him. This time they took him captive along with Ezekiel and with Daniel, and they took them into exile. So now they were living in Babylon instead of in Israel, instead of in Jerusalem. At that point, the Babylonians put up a puppet king. It was Jehoiachin's uncle, Jehoiachin's brother, Zedekiah, and he ruled for about 10 years until he began to rebel against the Babylonians. In about 588 is when the rebellion began. It, it turned into a full-blown war by 587. And uh, by 586 B.C., by August that year, um, Jerusalem had fallen. And Zedekiah was imprisoned. They brought out each one of his sons, and they killed each son in front of him. And then they plucked his eyes out. This is what it says in Ezekiel 33, the chapter before the one that we just read, in verse 21. On January 8th, during the 12th year of our captivity, this would have been 586, a survivor from Jerusalem came to me and said, remember Ezekiel is in exile in Babylon, a survivor from Jerusalem came to me and said, the city has fallen. The city has fallen. Jerusalem was gone. And not only was it gone, they had missed the whole point of what God had been asking for. Earlier in that same chapter, verse 11, how can we survive? As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so that they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? Why? Even clear back then, in 586, 587 B.C., the answer was clear. Turn. Turn back to God. It all begins with me, with you. But really, it all begins with God and his Messiah. At the end of our reading today, in uh, verse 23 and 24, um, it shares this profound promise. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. God's promising to, sh uh, to set over us one shepherd, my servant David. Now, David had died several hundred years before this, two, three hundred years before this. He was the second king of Israel. So for Ezekiel to say that this is the word of the Lord, that he's going to set David over the kingdom again, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean David himself, but it means a descendant of David. But now all the descendants of David have been killed. You know, Zedekiah is the last one. They're either in exile, um, completely powerless, or they're dead 
and blind. So what do they have left? There is no ancestor to David. But there will be. There will be one who comes. And that's why we begin the year, the church year, with the celebration of Advent. Because we, like Israel, at this point in time, we had been waiting for hundreds of years, 600 years before the Messiah, the servant of David, would come. That's why it really all begins with God, with his Messiah. The Lord is talking about Jesus. The Lord is talking about the one who comes to care for the flocks of sheep, who will take the flock away from the evil shepherds, who will remove the fat sheep from the sheepfold, the kings and the rulers, the political powers and the influencers. God is removing the fat sheep from the very sheepfold that they have been abusing. God is taking the role of the good shepherd by sending his Messiah. Listen to these promises that we heard in those first couple of verses, 12, 13, 14. I will find my lost sheep and I will rescue them, says the good shepherd. I will find the lost sheep. Kind of reminds you of the story of, of the lost sheep that Jesus shared, doesn't it? I will find them and bring them back home. Isn't that what the good shepherd promises in John chapter 10? I will feed them on the mountains and I will feed them by the rivers. Isn't Jesus the one who brought the water of life to the woman at Samaria and to so many other people? Isn't he the one that fed thousands and thousands of people in one setting, often with very little bread and fish? And I will give them good pasture land. And listen to how this word from God ends in verse 16. Uh, let me find it here, excuse me. Here we go. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. Now, you may not see yourselves as part of the ruling class or those with power and influence in our society, but you are. We are. We are very blessed. We have way more than most people in this world. We have way more than many people in this country. And I think that God is calling us to do more than put a Thanksgiving meal on the table for a few families. As important as that is, I would never stop doing that. But that's not the end of what God is calling us to do. Let's not just share a little food, but let's also share some Jesus. Let's share his hope. Let's share his love 
Let's share his continued presence, even in the midst of suffering. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 3 through 5, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us all in our troubles that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Last week we talked about talents. This week I want us to focus on people. Who is God placing in your life? Are you prepared? Are you prepared to bring them hope? To bring them comfort? To be present with them in the midst of their suffering? Are you ready to bring them Jesus? Jesus is our King, our Messiah. Even in spite of my wicked ways, perhaps our wicked ways, he has come so that we might live and have life. Are you ready to live? 